This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The Law School of America. In conflict of laws, the term Lex Loci, Latin for the law of the place, is a shorthand version of the choice of law rules that determine the lex cause, the laws chosen to decide a case. General Principles When a case comes before a court, if the main features of the case, particularly the parties and the causes of action, are local, the court will then apply the lex fori, the prevailing municipal law, to decide the case. However, if there are foreign elements to the case, the court may then be obliged, under conflict of laws, to consider whether it has jurisdiction to hear the case, see forum shopping. The court must then characterize the issues to allocate the factual basis of the case to its relevant legal classes. The court may then be required to apply the choice of law rules to decide the lex cause, the law to be applied to each cause of action. Relevant rules include the following. Lex cause. Lex cause, Latin for law of the cause, in conflict of laws, is the law chosen by the forum court from the relevant legal systems when it judges an international or interjurisdictional case. It refers to the usage of particular local laws as the basis or cause for the ruling, which would itself become part of referenced legal canon. Conflict of laws regulates all lawsuits involving foreign law if the outcome of a legal action would differ by the laws applied. Once the forum court has ruled that it has jurisdiction to hear the case, it must then decide which possible law is to be applied. Lex domiciliae. The lex domiciliae or lex loci domiciliae is the Latin term for law of the domicile in the conflict of laws. Conflict is the branch of public law regulating all lawsuits involving a foreign law element where a difference in result will occur depending on which laws are applied. Lex fori. Lex fori, Latin, the law of the forum, is a choice of law rule. If applicable, it provides that the law of the jurisdiction or venue in which a legal action is brought applies. When a court decides that it should, by reason of the principles of conflict of law, resolve a given legal dispute by reference to the laws of another jurisdiction, the lex cause, the lex fori still governs procedural matters. Lex loci actus. In the conflict of laws, lex loci actus or lex actus is the law of the place where the act occurred that gave rise to the legal claim. This is often confused with lex loci delicti commissi, which is where the tort is committed. While typically they both point to the same location, in the case of product liability, for example, the lex loci actus would be the place of manufacturing, while the lex loci delicti commissi would be the place of injury. Lex loci arbitri. The lex loci arbitri is the Latin term for law of the place where arbitration is to take place in the conflict of laws. Conflict is the branch of public law regulating all lawsuits involving a foreign law element where a difference in result will occur depending on which laws are applied. When a case comes before a court and all the main features of the case are local, the court will apply the lex fori, the prevailing municipal law, to decide the case. But if there are foreign elements to the case, the forum court may be obliged under the conflict of laws system to consider whether the forum court has jurisdiction to hear the case, see the problem of forum shopping. It must then characterize the issues, for example allocate the factual basis of the case to its relevant legal classes, and then apply the choice of law rules to decide which law is to be applied to each class. 
The lex loci arbitri is an element in the choice of law rules applied to cases testing the validity of a contract. As an aspect of the public policy of freedom of contract, the parties to an agreement are free to include a forum selection clause and or a choice of law clause and, unless there is a lack of bona fides, these clauses will be considered valid. If there is no express selection of a proper law, the courts will usually take the nomination of a forum as a connecting factor, for example a fact that links a case to a specific geographical location. For these purposes, one of the forums that may be selected is arbitration. Hence, the fact that the parties have chosen a state as the place of arbitration is an indication that parties may have intended the local law to apply. This indication will be weighed alongside other connecting factors. The state that has the largest number of connecting factors will be the lex cause applied to resolve the dispute between the parties. If there is a tie, the connecting factors which relate to performance will be given a greater weighting. Lex loci celebrationis Lex loci celebrationis is a Latin term for a legal principle in English common law, roughly translated as the law of the land, lex loci, where the marriage was celebrated. It refers to the validity of the union, independent of the laws of marriage of the countries involved, where the two individuals have legal nationality or citizenship, or where they live, reside or are domiciled. The assumption under the common law is that such a marriage, when lawfully and validly celebrated under the relevant law of the land, is also lawful and valid. British Legal Tradition In the United Kingdom, the jurisdiction of England or England and Wales, as well as in many other legal jurisdictions largely or partly following the British tradition of jurisprudence, in addition to their modified local versions of the English common law, the legal principle behind the legal term was modified, qualified and further elaborated, both by legal developments in the common law, Ward Dunedin's Bertion v. Distu case, 1930, in which Dunedin in the appellate committee of the House of Lords ruled that if a marriage is good by the laws of the country where it is affected, it is good all the world over, no matter whether the proceedings or ceremony which constituted marriage according to the law of the place would not constitute marriage in the country of the domicile of one or other of the spouses. If the so-called marriage is no marriage in the place where it is celebrated, there is no marriage anywhere, although the ceremonial proceedings if conducted in the place of the party's domicile would be considered a good marriage, as well as by codification by statute, Foreign Marriage Act 1892. Under the English common law, whether a party needs to be present is treated as a formality of the marriage ceremony, so if a proxy marriage is valid by the law of the place where the marriage was celebrated then it will be recognized in England. Lex loci contractus. In the conflict of laws, the lex loci contractus is the Latin term for law of the place where the contract is made. Lex loci delicti commissi. The lex loci delicti commissi or lex loci delictus is the Latin term for law of the place where the delict was committed in the conflict of laws. Conflict of laws is the branch of law regulating all lawsuits involving a foreign law element where a difference in result will occur depending on which laws are applied. The term is often shortened to lex loci delicti. Lex loci protectionis, Schutzland princip. Lex loci protectionis, Latin, law of the place where the protection is, is a choice of law rule applied to cases concerning the infringement of intellectual property, IP, rights, such as copyrights or patents. It stipulates that the law applied to such cases is the law of the locus protectionis, that is, the law of the country for which legal protection for the intellectual property is claimed. Consequently, the law of the country where the intellectual property was created or registered is not applied. Lex loci protectionis is generally accepted as the prevailing choice of law rule for IP rights, 
at least as concerns the existence, validity, scope and duration of the rights. Article 8, 1, of the European Union's Rome II regulation codifies it as follows. The law applicable to a non-contractual obligation arising from an infringement of an intellectual property right shall be the law of the country for which protection is claimed. Lex loci re city, or lex situs. Lex loci re city, Latin for law of the place where the property is situated, or simply lex situs, is the doctrine that the law governing the transfer of title to property is dependent upon and varies with the location of the property, for the purposes of the conflict of laws. Conflict is the branch of public law regulating all lawsuits involving a foreign law element if a difference in result will occur, depending on which laws are applied. Lex loci solutionis. Lex loci solutionis, Latin, law of the place of performance, in conflict of laws, is the law applied in the place of an event. Lex loci solutionis is one of the possible choice of law rules applied to cases that test the validity of a contract or that deal with a tort. For example, if a person domiciled in Bolivia and a person habitually resident in Germany make a contract by email and agree to meet in Arizona to research a book, there would be several possibly relevant choice of law rules. The Lex Domicilii, Lex Patriae or the law of habitual residence to determine whether the parties have the capacity to enter into the contract. Lex Loci Contractus, which could be difficult to establish since both parties never left their own state, reliance on postal rules for offer and acceptance in the several putative lex causae might produce different results. Lex loci solutionis might be the most relevant since Arizona is the most closely connected to the substance of the obligations assumed. The proper law, and Lex fori, which might have public policy issues if one of the parties is a minor. Lex patriae. Lex patriae, Latin, law of the fatherland, in modern usage, nationality law, in conflict of laws is the system of public law applied to a lawsuit if a choice is to be made between two or more laws that would change the outcome. Locus in quo. Locus in quo means, in British common law, the scene of the event, or. The phrase comes from the Latin language, meaning the place in which. In law, locus in quo refers to the place where the cause of action arose, that is, the land to which the defendant trespassed. It may also be used, more generally, as any place mentioned, that is, the venue or place mentioned. Blackacre, Whitaker, Greenacre, Brownacre, and variations are the placeholder names used for fictitious estates and land. The names are used by professors of law in common law jurisdictions, particularly in the area of real property and occasionally in contracts, to discuss the rights of various parties to a piece of land. A typical law school or bar exam question on real property might say, Adam, owner of a fee simple in Blackacre, conveyed the property to Bill for life, remainder to Charles, provided that if any person should consume alcohol on the property before the firstborn son of Charles turns 21, then the property shall go to Dwight in fee simple. Assume that neither Bill, Charles, nor Dwight is an heir of Adam, and that Adam's only heir is his son, Edward. Discuss the ownership interests in Blackacre of Adam, Bill, Charles, Dwight, and Edward. Where more than one estate is needed to demonstrate a point, perhaps relating to a dispute over boundaries, easements or riparian rights, a second estate will usually be called Whitaker, a third, Greenacre, and a fourth, Brownacre. Origin Jesse Duke Minier, author of one of the leading series of textbooks on property, traces the use of Blackacre and Whitaker for this purpose to a 1628 treatise by Sir Edward Coke. Duke Minier suggests that the term might originate with references to colors associated with certain crops, peas and beans are black, corn and potatoes are white, 
Hay is green, or with a means by which rents were to be paid, with black rents payable in produce and white rents in silver. A 1790 treatise by Francis Buller similarly uses these placeholder names, stating, If A of black acre and C have white acre, and A has a way over white acre to black acre, and then purchases white acre, the way will be extinct, and if A, afterwards in Fof C, of white acre without accepting the road, it is gone. In various law journals and treatises in Louisiana, which uses a unique form of the civil law influenced by but not identical to the Napoleonic Code, authors have used the term Arpent Noir as a placeholder name for the purpose of discussing rights concerning immovables. One of the more basic theories is that Blackacre and Whitaker are related to what professors could draw on dark chalkboards in early law school settings. A simple outline of the property on the blackboard being Blackacre and a chalk-colored and property being Whitaker. In popular culture, because of its association with legal education, a number of legal publications and events utilize the name. For example, Blackacre was adopted as the name of the literary journal at the University of Texas School of Law. Blackacre is also the name of a journal at the University of Sydney Law School, published annually by the Sydney University Law Society, the name of the open-air courtyard and weekly student social at Vanderbilt Law School, and the name of a William Mitchell College of Law formal. The Blackacre Nature Preserve and Historic Homestead in Kentucky was so named by the donor of the land, Macaulay Smith, who had been a judge on the Kentucky Court of Appeals. In July 2010, a legal humor website wrote an article chronicling the foreclosure sale of Blackacre. A group of law students in Indianapolis founded a brewery named Blackacre Brewing Company in late 2010 as a homage to their legal schooling. Monica Yoon's 2016 book of poetry from Grey Wolf Press is titled Blackacre, in reference to the legal concept. A security deposit is a sum of money held in trust either as an initial part payment in a purchasing process, often used to prevent the seller selling an item to someone else during an agreed period of time while the buyer verifies the suitability of the item, or arranges finance, also known as an earnest payment, or else, in the course of a rental agreement to ensure the property owner against default by the tenant and for the cost of repair in relation to any damage explicitly specified in the lease and that did in fact occur. In certain taxation regimes a deposit need not be declared as a part of the gross income of the receiving party, person or corporation, until either the depositing party or an arbitrator agrees the funds may be used for the intended purpose. The United States Supreme Court ruled in Commissioner v. Indianapolis Power and Light Company, 1990, that a deposit differs from an advance payment because the depositing party has dominion over the funds and retains the right to insist upon repayment in cash. On the other hand, the party making an advance payment retains no right to insist upon the return of the funds as long as the recipient fulfills the contractual agreement. The rationale behind the court's decision is that the recipient of the deposit does not enjoy complete dominion over the funds and is subject to an express obligation to repay so long as the customer fulfills his or her legal obligations. Additionally, both the timing and the method of refund are largely within the control of the depositing party, as he or she can choose to insist upon repayment in cash or apply the deposit to purchase services. The recipient's right to retain the funds of the deposit is contingent upon events that are outside of his or her control. Although the recipient may receive an economic benefit from the deposits, for example interest, the prospect that income will be generated provides no ground for taxing the principal. However, any income that the recipient may earn through the use of the deposit money will be taxable. In leasing, security deposits are required most often by lessors of automobiles, apartments, and commercial real estate. 
The security deposits required by many residential landlords of their tenants are the source of much dispute and litigation. Many states and municipalities have enacted laws that specifically regulate the landlord's ability to withhold tenant security deposits after a tenant moves out. Some states and cities require that interest be paid to the tenant as it is earned on the security deposit. The rate of interest earned on security deposits typically changes each year. Currently this rate is set at 0.06% in the state of Connecticut. A landlord's deductions from a tenant's security deposit must be reasonable. The landlord may make deductions for missing rent payments and for damages beyond ordinary wear and tear, which is the subject matter's depreciation or deterioration in value by reasonable and ordinary use by the tenant. Examples of non-deductible wear and tear include, paint retouching, minor cleaning, small tack holes, and nicks and scratches. Examples of deductible damages include large or excessive holes in the wall, carpet stains, and broken doors and windows. If a landlord wrongfully withholds a tenant's security deposit, the tenant may be entitled to additional damages beyond the amount of the security deposit. These may include statutory damages for violation of a local statute on consumer collection practices, damages that may be two or three times the amount of the deposit, in some states, such as California, consequential, resulting, damages, interest, and in more rare instances punitive damages. In some legal regimes the deposit has to be placed with an independent escrow agent or licensed deposit taker such as a bank so that the risk of fraud is reduced and the funds earn interest at a fair market rate. Often car rental and car leasing companies will require a deposit to protect themselves against possible damage to the car. Once the car is returned, it is checked for any possible damage, and if damage is found, funds are deducted from the deposit to cover the repairs and the loss of value. In the United States of America, Washington, D.C., Alaska, Illinois, and Wisconsin have notably more tenant-friendly legislation than states like Indiana or Michigan, for example. The cities of Madison, Wisconsin, and Chicago, Illinois, have substantially greater protection of tenant security deposit rights than the surrounding areas. Studies have shown that landlords often improperly withhold security deposits after tenants move out, and often get away with it because it's too much trouble to fight. In metropolitan cities of India like Chennai, Bangalore, Mumbai or others, there is a security deposit to be given upfront to the landlord before renting or leasing an apartment. The security deposit amount can range anywhere from 3-11 months, depending upon the city's norm. With rentals soaring high in metropolitan cities, this amount becomes exorbitant. Hence, anyone shifting an apartment or moving cities in lieu of a job change, finds it difficult financially. It is a dent on savings as this cost is not borne by the company that has helped the shifters movers and packers. The recent changes to the condominium and cooperative laws in New York have created limits for the regulations behind security deposits. Cooperative boards can no longer charge more than one month of prepaid maintenance and another month's maintenance as a security deposit restricting the amount to be owed before moving in. In states like Connecticut that tend to be more tenant-friendly, the amount an owner can charge for a security deposit in any property is limited to the equivalent of two months' rent. This limit is reduced to one month's rent for tenants age 62 and over. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. 
the Law School of America.